Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Nun Ches. Um, today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas ben Sion ben Ze'ev Avram Halevi, Baruch ben Eliyahu Shmuel, David Yitzchak Mordechai ben, ben Yosef, Eliyahu ben Yeshayahu, Lunabas, Le'el Lunabas Asael. Um, may their memories be a blessing and may their neshamas have an aliyah. This also for Fua Shlema of Chaim Aryeh ben Mashalaya and Ze'ev, Ze'ev Halevi ben Guttel. And uh, so, Pesa Bashaina Bela, may they have a complete and speedy recovery. And for Moshe ben Rivka, may he also have a complete and speedy recovery. Okay, I'm going to go from the bottom of. We got up to the two dots towards the bottom of Nun Zayin Amud Bay, 57b. Um, so we mentioned, so where we up to in the stage of the Avoid, remember the Kohen Godel walked into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, we can even go back, um, and he sprinkled the Dama Par, then he went out and he shechted the Seir, the goat, and he sprinkled the blood of Seir inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim, then he came out and he sprinkled the Dama Par onto the towards the paroiches, towards the curtain, and then he sprinkled the damasir towards the curtain. And then it says, Ira dama par that's where we have to, in our Mishnah, where he then poured the blood of the bull into the blood of the seir. It says, Tnan command to arvim lekronos. This is in accordance with the opinion that you mix the blood for the corns. What horns are we referring to? So the next stage in the void, as we'll see in the next Mishnah, is you take the blood and you apply it to the golden altar, the Mizbeach HaZohov, and you apply it first to the corners, and then he sprinkles it towards to, to the top of the golden altar. So they almost two steps there, to the corners and then to the top. Now, as we'll see, it's a machloikes. At what point does he mix the blood together? He definitely mixes it together to sprinkle it at the top of the golden altar, but does he mix it together before that? So our Mishnah says... As he comes out, as he's finished sprinkling the damaseir towards the paroiches, towards the curtain, he comes along and he sprinkles, he mixes them together. That's clearly in line with the opinion that he mixes the blood together before he applies it to the chronos, to the horns. And now we're going to see that discussion. To Itmar, it's been said, Rabbi Yoshi of Rabbi Yonasan, Machloikes, Rabbi Yoshi and Rabbi Yonasan. Now, interestingly enough, um, the Gemara doesn't have any punctuation, but you can almost you know the structure and you know what it's referring to based on certain key words. For example, whenever I see the word Datnan, I know it's going to quote a Mishnah. If I see the word Datanya, I know it's going to quote a Brisa. If I see Iboilahu, they ask them, I know it's going to be a question, etc. Um, so from these sort of key words, you can tell what's going to happen in the Gemara, and that would be your punctuation and your guards. Now, itmar, the word itmar generally introduces a machlokes amorayim. The amorayim were the sages, we say the sages of the Gomorrah, who the discussions of the Gomorrah are built around their discussions, unlike the Tanoim, who are the sages of the Mishnah. So if it's someone quoted in a Mishnah, it would be a Tana. They, we generally say they lived from around the year, if uh, according to the common calculation and they lived in the year around zero to the year 200 and then uh, 
Amorayim were from the year 200 to 500 or so. Um, but Itmar, the word Itmar, generally introduces a Machlokes Amorayim. And Rabbi Yosha and Rabbi Yonasan were actually Tanoim. So what's going on there? So the one answer given is that, I mean, and this the Rishonim also, you see how key the structure is to the Gemara. And the Rishonim already asked this question. Um, so the Tosfos Yom Tov, he answers, He says, I think that they were latter Tanaim, I they borderline. We do generally consider them Tanaim, but they were from the last of the Tanaim, and therefore they can, we can use the phrase Itmar. Um, the Gvura Sari is not so happy with this. Um, he says, but we find elsewhere, He says we find elsewhere that they were actually earlier Tanoim. They were students of Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel was at the same time of Rabbi Akiva. So that's quite a long time before the end of the Tanoim. So he wants to answer um, that the reason that we use the word Itmar here is because generally we, if we're quoting a Tana, we would use a Detani or Detnan, etc. A word that indicates it's in a Brisa or a Mishnah. But this Machloikes is not in a Brisa or a Mishnah. And therefore, um, since it's not in a Brisa or a Mishnah, it is a, it's a tradition that the Amorayim, that the Sages of the Gomorrah had about this argument of Rabbi Yoshir and Rabbi Yonis, and therefore it uses the word Itmar. Okay, but that's just interesting regarding the structure of the Gomorrah. So what was the Machlo? So to Itmar, Rabbi Yoshir, Rabbi Yonis, and Rabbi Yoshir, and Rabbi Yonis, and argue, Chad Omar Ma'arvin, Bechad Omar Eim Arvin. One says you mix the blood before doing the application to the Mizbeach HaZohov, and the other one says you don't. Now, Tistayim, Rabbi Yoshir, Huda Omar Ma'arvin. We should let's assume that it's Rabbi Yoshia who says that we do mix them. Now, before we go into how we know that Rabbi Yoshia is the one who says we do mix them, it's based on another Machloikes, Rabbi Yoshia and Rabbi Yonasan, um, and this is how to read Psukim. And the, it's based on a Gomorian Sanhedrin Rashi brings it, but the Pasuk says, Ish Ish, Asheyekaleles Ovives Imo, any man who curses his father and mother. I'm just reading from Rashi, he says, Eli Ela Ovive Imo. From that pasuk, by the fact that it says someone who curses his father and his mother, I would only know that it means if he curses both of them. How do we know that someone who curses either his mother or his father is liable? The pasuk continues, it reiterates at the end of the pasuk and ends, It connects... Well, not, that's not the quote, that's not a direct quote from the Pasuk. But basically the start of the Pasuk is Kilel Aviv Imo, someone who curses his mother and father. And at the end of the Pasuk, it reiterates that will happen to the person who cursed, whose father and mother he cursed. So we see that both mother and father are connected to, um, are connected to the word kilel, so therefore we know that if you only if one cursed only their mother or their father, they would be liable. Divrei Rabbi Yoshia, that's Rabbi Yoshia's opinion. So let's just highlight what does Rabbi Yoshia hold. At any time you find two points and it says and, I, the father and the mother, you would think it means both. Just to tie that back into our case, it says, and he takes, he applies the blood of the bull and the blood of the goat to the, to the Mizbah. 
we would think that means combined um, together. And then it just brings the Rashi carries on. Rabbi Yonasan, Oimer Rabbi Yonasan says, No, the word when it says his mother, someone who curses his mother and his father, doesn't necessarily mean mother and father, it could mean either. And therefore you would read it as someone who curses either their mother, or their father, or their mother. It says, unless the Torah, the Pasuk specifies Yachtov together. But what, so what's uh, Rabbi Yonasan's opinion? He says, no, the Vov doesn't mean and both of them. The Vov means, uh, um, the Vov means, uh, the Vov means or. And the, his proof is because the Torah part says someone who plows his ox and his donkey, and it ends up with the word Yachtov together. If Vov always means and, I, both of them, then it could just say someone who plows with an ox and a donkey. It's a, I don't remember if it's plow or threshers. But by the fact that it says plows with an ox and a donkey together, we see that the Vov means or. I mean, in English, we would also have this confusion. I mean, if I mentioned that the halacha is someone who curses their mother, their father and their mother is put to death, do I mean both their father and their mother together? Or does it mean independently, either a father or a mother? But that's the Machloikas here. So again, Rabbi Yosha says we assume that it means together. So the Omar, so the Omar, let's just see that inside the Omar, as Rabbi Yosha says, even though the Pasuk doesn't say Yachtov, command Yachtov. We assume it's as if it's dummy. We assume it's as if it's written, we treat it as if it's written Yachtov together. So Rabbi Yosha, since the Pasuk says, um, so where was it? Um, he takes the blood of the bull and the blood of the goat and he applies them to the horns of the Mizbah around. We would assume by the fact that it's that it means together. So the Gemara says not necessarily. So that's how we want to suggest to learn. It says no, I feel You can even say it's Rabbi Yonasanu. Shiny hacha here is different. because the Torah says achas. It says you shall only do one application. It says Aaron al of achas Aaron will atone once a year, but I we take that to mean as with one application. So therefore, maybe everyone, so it's not clear that Rabbi Yosha, that Rabbi Yonason would argue in this case. Then the Gemara answers, Tanya Deloika Shenuyan. But there's actually a Bryce that's more explicit and it's not like our answer. I, because the Pasuk says, This Bryce is, you will take from the blood of the bull and the blood of the Seir. That means, according to Rabbi Yosha, mixed together. And that's explicit. The Bryce says Rabbi Yosha. Rabbi Yonasan Omar, Rabbi Yonasan says, no, he applies them each independently. He first applies the blood of the bull to the Mizbah, to the golden altar, to the horns of the golden altar, and then the blood of the, um, the goat. Rabbi Yosha says, oh, but the Potsuk says, Achas, once, you only do one application. So Amaloi Rabbionasan Balok Farnemar Midama Paru Midama Siri says, Well the Pasuk says from the blood of the bull and the blood of the seer, implying that they're still distinct, that they separate. So Imkain Lama Nemar Achas, also then why does the Pasuk say Achas? Achas to tell us that you only do one application from the blood of, with the blood of the bull and one application with the blood of the goat. 
But either way, we see that that Machloikas is very clearly Rabbi Yoshia holds that you mix the blood together before applying it to the Mizbeach Hazohov where Rabbi Yonason argues and says, no, you do them separately. Tanya Yidich we have another price which says, Velokach Midama Paru Midama Seir, you will take from the, the Pesach says, you'll take from the blood of the bull and the blood of the coach, you that they must be mixed together. Ato Oimesh, you Muruvim Zebazeh, you telling me, how do you know that it means that they mean mixed together? Oimesh, Ella, Mizebifna Asma, Mizebifna Asma, you have to apply them to the Mizbeach Azov independently. Talmud Loma, the Torah says, Achas. The Torah says, no, Achas, one, you only do one application to the Mizbeach Azov, or one to each corner of the Mizbeach Azov, I must be that the blood has been mixed together. The stomach, Rebiosia, and this, this anonymous Brisa is like Rebiosia. Okay, so that's that machloikas, again, do you mix the blood together before applying it to the Mizbech HaZohov, or do you first apply it to the corners of the Mizbech HaZohov and then mix it together? Now we move on to the next point in the Mishnah of Anosan and Samolei Bereikan. We understood this Mishnah, you then take, so you've mixed the blood together, because our Mishnah is like Rabbi Oshia, and then you take, and it sounds like you take the full bowl, the one with blood in, and put it in the empty bowl. So you've got a bowl within a bowl. So he says, "No, sir, I'm not going to break it." Says, "Boy, me nei Rami Bar Chama, me Rab Chizda Rami Bar Chama asked Rab Chizda, 'He niach mizrak pesal mizrak for kibul esatam mahu.'" In a general discussion regarding to all korbanos, we know that the coin has to do the kabbalas adam. He has to receive the blood. Now, every time that the coin has to do the avoda, firstly, it has to be done with his right hand, and he's the one who has to do it. It can't be through intermediaries. Is it intermediaries? Intermediaries. But he does it with, um, he has to do it. So he, we would think that he has to hold the bowl to receive the blood. What happens if he's got a bowl within a bowl? So he's holding two bowls and he, someone calls him over, can you help me with the shit to do Kabbalah? So he goes with these two bowls, one in the other, and does the Kabbalah. So the Gomorrah, he says, Mahu, min bemin Do we say, even though it's two of the same time, it's considered a separation? Or Or maybe it does not separate. Hey, you got one bowl within another. Does the bowl that he's holding, which is not the bowl that he's using to receive the blood, count as a separation between that bowl? And it's as if he's not holding the bowl that does the Kabbalah, and therefore it would be an invalid Kabbalah. Almost for all intents and purposes, it's as if he's wearing gloves, or as if it's down on the floor doing the Kabbalah because he's not holding it. Or it's maybe since it's a bowl in a bowl, it's the same type of material, it's not considered a separation. So I'm late in tour, we'll look at our Mishnah. Nasan is my love, Mizrak Mizrak says, what, is the, what did our Mishnah say the coin goddle does? He takes the full bowl and puts it in the empty bowl. We see that, and then he obviously goes and he carries that blood to the golden Mizbach. So we see, and oh, and it's and the, and the word used is velokach, which implies that the coin has to be taking it as a proper lekicha. He has to be holding it in his hand. So we see that two bowls, one within the other, is not considered a separation. So Amara says, no, that's not what the pasuk means when it says you put the full one in the empty one. What does it mean? Lo ira mizrak mole mizrak reikon. It means he pours the full the bowl with the blood, the full one into the bowl that is empty. Says, I, not that he puts the one bowl in the other bowl, it's that he pours from the one bowl into the other bowl. Says, <coughs> but the Pesach tells us already that he pours from the blood of the bull 
into the blood of the goat. He's already poured one into the other. What's he doing here? So he says, no, the Gemara answers. He needs to do it a second time. Kedela arvon yofe yofe to mix them well. I basically what he does is he takes the blood of the um, bull and he pours it into the bowl which has the blood of the goat. And then to mix them properly, he pours it back into the blood of the into the blood into the other bowl, the empty bowl. But we don't have an answer to our question. Again, remember our question was: Do we count the one bowl as a separation to the other bowl? Says Toshma, come in here. We said if the coin bottle does the avoider standing on a kli or on his friend's foot, it's invalid. And if the coin, remember the coin, have to do the avoider um, barefoot. It's learned out from the Gemara because it uses the word koidesh and that the. I didn't understand the Rash, the, I didn't remember the Gemara well enough, but Rashi just brings the Tanya, the very Bishmol, the Makadshim. We find that the floors, I don't know if it is holy or sanctifies, and a Klishoresh also sanctifies. Therefore, just as you can't have a Chatzitz in the one, you can't have Chatzitz in the other. So the Kwanim have to stand with their bare feet on the floor of the temple. What happens if he's standing on his friend's foot? Now that's min bimino. That's his foot on his friend's foot. It's the same type, so it should not necessarily be a chatzitza. But it says it's possible, so we see that it is. So the Gemara answer is no. Shiny regal, the loy motzi mavatale. The foot is different because the kohen is not going to mavatale it. Aye, Rashi says the kohen is not going to leave it there for the whole avoida. And therefore, he doesn't want it to be left there. <laughs> the poor kohen's having his friend stand on his toes. He doesn't want it there. And therefore, it, it is a chatzitza and it would be possible. But in a normal case, maybe Mimbamino is um, bottle. Now, we haven't really answered our question, and, um, but then we go and we give a different take on what the question was. This is actually what he was asking. I, he took, I'm just going to f- fill in a missing line, he took for granted that Mimbamino ain't a bottle. Two of the same types do not. Sorry, min bimino bottle. Two of the same types is not considered a separation. But the question here he asked is, Would this be considered a normal way of serving in the temple or not? If it's the normal way of serving in a temple by holding one bowl within the other bowl, um, then it's fine. If not, it would be a problem. Um, just, yeah, let's just finish this. Toshma, the Tanya, the very small. This Tanya, the very small, taught as kol klei hashores, ashayishosu bomba kodesh. Interesting, the Pasuk changes from plural to singular. It says, all the holy vessels which are used in the service, not in the services, but in the service, the kodesh. says, shnei kalim v'shayris achas. We see that the Torah uses the word um, multiple kalim for one service. So you could actually do the avoider with a bowl within a bowl. I was just thinking, not obviously not lahavdil, but in the, in, in to phrase the question in a way that's more for our mind, like would it be Derek Shayrus or not? When you're dishing up soup, so would you hold one would you hold two bowls in one hand, one within the other, and dish up the first bowl and then let's say give it to the person and then dish up the second bowl? Would that be the normal way of doing it? Or not? Again, obviously dishing up soup is different to the temple service, but that's the question here. Is that a normal, would that be considered der sheirus, a valid way of doing the temple service? Just an interesting thing, this question of min bimino chodzeit comes up 
in a few halachas. Interesting, you have to see this whole discussion, when are we concerned, which mitzvahs are we concerned about chatzitza or not? It seems there has to be some hint, at least in the psukim, that chatzitza is a problem. Because with many mitzvahs, we would not necessarily say that uh, chatzitza is a problem. Um, I'm just trying to think of an example. It's a hard one. Um, I don't know offhand, but maybe glila. Can you wear gloves while doing glila? I mean, there might be other problems of it's disrespectful or something, but does it invalidate the glila? You're doing glila, you're picking up the Sefer Torah with your gloves on. I mean, I don't know if that's a good example, but that sort of thing. Where do we see that it's a chatzitz? But there are a few halachas. One of the common ones where it's discussed is in Maseche Sukkah, because there it discusses, hold, it says, you have to take the lulav for yourself, so you have to hold it in your hand. So it discusses holding it in gloves or in a cloth, what about our lulav is wound with the palm, uh, I don't know what you call them, the palm leaves. We wrap our lulav with the palm trees and hold that. You know, the hold, the, I don't know what you call it, the handle, the hold, the, the holder for, this, for the lulav. So that's obviously min bimino enochoites. It's tarp does not form a, a separation. So that's why you're allowed to hold that to hold your lulav. Um, another time this comes up interesting is, Tachnun. I mean, when you're dabbling at home, you don't put your head down for Tachnun, but you're supposed to have something separating between your head and the floor. It's based to do how they used to uh, bow in the base. I mean, that's etc., but basically you have to have a s- separation between your head and the floor. So can you use your hand? You know, everyone puts their hand down to so that they're tilting away from the floor, but is the hand counting as that separation? And that's why you notice many people are particular to either pull their sleeves down, or some even do the strange thing of putting a tissue there, um, so that they do the thing of putting a tissue there, so that there's a, a separation between them and the floor, because their own arm cannot count as a separation, because it's the same type. That would be uh, one way of looking at that. Okay, let's go on to the next point. Another question. Rami bar Rami bar mahu. If someone places bast in the bottom of the bowl and he receives the blood in it, is that min mina and choitzeitz or eino choitzeitz? Or maybe it does not count as a chatzitza. Why? Kiva in the mechalchel lo Since it's porous, it does not count as a separation. Or Maybe it makes no difference. When the coin when the coin goes to do kabbalah sadam, he has to do kabbalah straight into the bowl. What happens if there's a porous substance at the bottom of the bowl? Does that count as a... If there's a porous Is that a chatzitz or not? Obviously, if it's a piece of plastic or something like that in the bottom of the bowl, that the blood's going into the plastic lining and not in the bowl, that would be a problem. But here it's something that's porous. So does that count as a chatzitza or not? Now, before we go into the answer, it's based on the halacha regarding a poraduma. The poraduma, you have to catch the blood, the, the water. It has to be filled with spring water directly into this bowl. They would often use it. They'd use a stone bowl. Now, they had this type of clear, rashi calls a shukat. And it was kind of like a trough for animals to drink from. It had a hole in one end, and they'd put it next to the river 
so that the water would flow into it and fill it up and the animals could drink from. Now, if you're using a similar bulb to collect the water for the paraduma, what happens if there's a sponge in the bottom of the bowl? And the problem with the sponge is the water in the sponge is not considered in the kli, so it's invalid for the poraduma, but the water that's on top of the sponge is valid. Now, our Mishnah that we're going to bring as a proof is discussing, so how do you get the valid water out without getting the water out of the sponge? But that's a technical thing. But what do we see? We're not concerned. Even though the water is going through, um, over the sponge, it's not considered a chatzitza because the water goes straight through the sponge. So that's the proof. Let's see it inside. It says, He says, we learned it in a Mishnah. You can take the top water out of the bowl until you reach the sponge. Again, once you reach the sponge, the water that's in the sponge is invalid. So you don't want to squeeze or get any of that water out of the sponge. But we have no problem with the water that was on top of the sponge even though the sponge is separating between, or you might have thought that the sponge is separating between the water and the bowl, the Maim Chaim and the bowl, which is not valid. Since it's a sponge and the water just goes through it, and it's porous, it's not considered a chatzitza. So we have an answer to our question. The blood poured into this bowl, which had a lining of, uh, of uh, this uh, sieve, this uh, best is not a problem. So the Gemara answers, but no, maybe shiny Maya the Kalishi. Water's thin. The water will flow straight through the sponge, and therefore it's not it's considered porous and not a separation. But that dam is blood is thicker. So the Gemara answers, or alternatively, to Omri Hachi Well, some say that the actual answer he gave him with blood, it's valid. If you pour blood, if the blood is received in a bowl which has this lining that it will go through, I'm just imagining the blood, you take a coffee, a filter, you know, that you make tea or coffee with one of those uh, paper filters, and you pour the, you receive the blood onto that, it's fine because the blood will go through, it's considered porous. But regarding a kamitza, the mincha, remember when the kohen takes a kamitza and he puts it in the bowl, if there's this lining in the bottom, well, it's not going to go through that lining through that filter and therefore it would be an invalid commitment because it has to be put directly into the bowl. Um, okay, so that's that discussion of min bemino or min bemino and does porous, something porous count as a chatzitza. We now w- move on to the next Mishnah on the top of Nun Chesamud Beis and we go on to the next stage in our voida. So as we started, this is actually going back to what we started to almost started with today's shear. Remember, he's just come out of the. Uh, he's just finished sprinkling the blood on the paroiches towards the curtain, and then he mixed the blood of the bull and the blood of the goat together. It says el Hashem. The pasuk says that he will go out to the mizbeach, which is before Hashem. Now, it's a difficult language because Vyotso, he is in the Heichal. So Vyotso implies he goes out the Heichal. But it says the Mizbeach Lifnei Hashem. So that's there Mizbeach has the Hobbit referring to the golden altar. I should just, uh, just to reiterate, there were two Mizbeach. There was the Mizbeach has the Hobbit and the Mizbeach HaNechoshes. Or that's what it was called in the time of Moshe. Um, there was the outer altar. It's got a few names. The outer altar and the inner altar. Or the Mizbeach 
um, or the Mizbeach HaKotores, the incense altar. But remember, basically, he's, um, here's the Heichal, there's the, the Shulchan, the Menorah, and there's the Mizbeach HaZahov, the incense altar. So he was standing here by the curtain doing the sprinkling. And, uh, well, just while we're here, if you look in the Chotzer, there's the main Mizbech. I don't know if it's the right word, the main Mizbech. And here's the Mizbech Azov. So he was standing somewhere there near the Paroiches doing the sprinkling of the blood. Then he mixes the blood together. And now he says he walks out to the Mizbech Azov, to the Mizbech, which is before Hashem. The Mizbech says, he then starts applying the blood in a downward motion. Rashi explains why does he apply? So he go. Remember, he's applying the blood to each of the corners. The 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 mizbeach hazahov had protrusions in each corner, and he's applying the blood. So he's holding his hand like this. He would dip it in the bowl and apply the blood like that. It's a very awkward motion to apply the blood moving up. And the main problem that they bring is that the blood will drip down his palm into his uh, sleeve. And once his sleeve is dirty, then he can't do the avoida in it. So he would dip his finger and swipe downwards so as not to dirty his clothes. I'm not, I couldn't understand why, but it's an awkward motion. Maybe the Mizbech was a little bit too high to do it upwards like that so with, that he wouldn't dirty his sleeve. So he holds his palm like that to do the application. The problem is, it will drip down onto his sleeve. So that's why he starts, he doesn't go upwards, he goes downwards, and it's, there isn't that danger of it dripping down his sleeve. So, it's, so that's what, which corner does he begin in? He starts at the northeastern corner. Then he moves to the Tzvoynis Mizrachis, the northwestern corner. Marobis Dromis, then to the southwest, Dromis Mizrachis, and then to the southeast. So he's walking around um, from the northeast to the northwest to the south. So he's walking around the the mizbeach like that, applying to each of the doing an application to each of the quarters. The place where he would start with a regular chatas on the outer mizbeach is where he finishes with the Mizbech HaPnimi. Rabbi Eliezer Oymer, Rabbi Eliezer says, No, he would stand exactly where he was. And he would lean over and he would do the applications on all the other corners going upwards. And the one that's right in front of him, he would do a downward application. But basically, according to Rabbi Eliezer, he's not walking around the golden Mizbah doing the applications. He just leans over the Mizbah to do the applications. Yes. 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 Oh, excellent, excellent question. The Gemara is going to go into that. But you've got to remember, if you look at it from the perspective of him facing the Mizbah, then he, moving, then he is moving to his right if he's going anti-clockwise. No, I agree with you. If he's facing him, 
No, because he he faces moving around. If if he, if that's him standing there like that, he faces moving around like that with his face. If he keeps his face to the mizbeach, then he will go from the northeast, keeping moving to his right side, facing the mizbeach to the northwest. So that would be the, I think that would be the explanation. Let's see, in the Gemara, it's going to discuss it a bit more because we're going to have a machloikes. Um, yeah. Then, what's the next step in the Avoida? He says, His al tihara mizbeach sheva pa'omim. He sprinkles on the top of the mizbeach seven times. So each of these applications were to the corners of the mizbeach as a whole. And now he sprinkles on top of the Mizbah seven times. This Tiharosh uh, Mizbah, literally the, pur- the purity of the Mizbah, we'll see why it uses that word, but that's the top of the Mizbah. V'shirei hadam ho yoshofeich el yosod marovi so Mizbah hachitzon. And the remnants of the blood, he pours on the west side of the outer altar. Just as a side point, whenever he's doing a korban on the outer altar, he pours the remaining blood on the south side of the foundation. And not on the west, like he does on Yom Kippur, on the south side. And then the blood flows off into the stream running through. What happens with the blood when it flows into the stream? So Vyotan and Lachal Kidron goes down into the Kidron Valley. Will they sell it to the um, to Ganunim, to gardeners as compost, as fertilizer? But Umwalim Bohem, if they wouldn't buy it, they would transgress Meila. This blood is Kodosh, so you have to buy it to redeem it, and then they can use it. For their gardens. Interestingly enough, I don't know if the discussion comes up here, but this meila is only derabbonim, because generally once you've done them, when you've finished the mitzvah, there's no more meila. So once he's sprinkled the blood or poured the blood on the foundation of the mizbeach, there's no more mitzvah. That's the end of the mitzvah. But derabbonim, there is still meila. Okay. Um, so the Gemara says, Toner abbonim. The Yotzo Elam Mizbeach, he goes outside. This is again back to Yom Kippur. It says he goes outside of the Mizbeach. What's the Torah telling us? By the bull that's brought for all mitzvahs. I'll explain what that is shortly. The Kohen stands outside of the Mizbeach. And he sprinkles towards the Paroiches. When he's sprinkling, he might have thought, so to Yom Kippur, he stands outside of the Mizbeach to do the sprinkling. He goes out to the Mizbeach. Where was he? Inwards from the Mizbeach. Um, so just before, just to understand this, that's the part, remember if the Kohen Godol, if the, or if the coin, yeah, the coin got all, but also if Sanhedrin issue a mistaken ruling, and then it turns out that everyone in Israel followed it, and they chai, or the coin got followed his ruling, and they chai of, um, they should be chai of Kores, but it was done by mistake, they bring the special par. Now, for that par, remember, he's, this is all a discussion in the Heichal. He's standing outside of the Mizbech. I What does that mean? He's standing. The Mizbech is between him and the curtain. 
and he's sprinkling towards the curtain. By Yom Kippur, you might have thought it's the same thing. He stands with the Mizbah, the golden Mizbah, between him and the curtain, and he sprinkles from there. Therefore, the Apostle tells us, no, he goes outwards, not outside the Heichal, but he goes outwards towards the Mizbah. He heads east, um, outwards, because he sprinkles, and because he was standing between the Mizbah and the curtain. I was standing right before the curtain when he did the sprinklings on Yom Kippur. So that's what we're mentioning here. Um, again, that he was on Yom Kippur, he's standing directly before the curtain without the Mizbah separating, unlike the Par Haboal Kol Mitzvahs. Tanya Irich, we have another price. So this is regarding the Par Haboal Kol Mitzvahs. Livnei Hashem. He'll stand before Hashem. What's the Torah telling us? So Omer Rebbe Nechem Yelefi Shemotzini Beparvus Yerushal Yom Kippurim Shekoyin Oimeid Lifnim Ina Mizbech. Since by Yom Kippur we find that the Koyin Kodal stands inwards from the Mizbech, I arrive before the curtain. Umaze ala paroiches and sprinkles on the kaboreis. Umaze ala paroiches b'shashu maze and he sprinkles towards the paroiches when he's sprinkling. Yochal Can you might have thought so too by the parabol kolmitzvus? He stands right before the paroiches. Talmud Loimer Mizbech Katoris Asamim Lifnei Hashem Asher Boahel Moed. The Mizbech Katoris is before Hashem in the oil moid. I mizbeach lifna Hashem, but ain't kohen lifna Hashem. The mizbeach is before Hashem, but the kohen doing the sprinkling is not before Hashem. Okay, Tzad, how does this work? He stands outwards from the mizbeach and he sprinkles. He stands with the mizbeach in the way. If you think about it just with the picture, and very quickly, um, There's the Mizbech Hazohov, there's the Paroiches. Yom Kippur, he stands there, I, Lifnim Mina Mizbech, inwards from the Mizbech, and he does the sprinkling directly to the, to the Paroiches. The Par Habo, I'll call mitzvahs, the Kohen Godel stands there, I, outwards, the, the Kohen who's doing the Zrika, stands outwards from the Mizbech Hazov. Again, not outside the Heichal, but outwards from the Mizbech Hazov. I, the Mizbech Hazov is between him and the curtain. That's what we just mentioned. Then we go on to the next point is He sprinkles, he does downwards applications. It says, he, so the Brisa teaches that he does downward applications. Mahechan, who are your matchil? From which corner does he begin? So Mikeren Mizrachis Droimis from the east. This is going to be a different opinion. From the southeast side. And then he moves again. This is to his left because he's facing the Mizbach. To his left, Droimis Marovis to the southwest side. Then he carries on to his left. Marovitz Tzvonis to the northwest, and then to the north, Tzvonis Mizrachis to the northeast. Divrei Rabbi Akiva, that's Rabbi Akiva's opinion. Rabbi Yossi Aglili, Rabbi Yossi Aglili says, no, he goes the other way around. He goes to the Mikeren Mizrachis Tzvonis, he goes to the northeast corner, Tzvonis Marovitz, and then he goes to his right, his face, again, he's facing the Mizbach, and he takes a step to the right, to go to the northwest corner, Marovis Droimis, then another step to his right to the southwest corner, and then finally Droimis Mizrochis, the south 
east corner. Mokom Sherebiosi Haglili Machil, Shom Rebi Akiva Poisek, Mokom Sherebi Akiva Machil, Shom Rebiosi Haglili Poisek. The place where Rebiosi Haglili started uh, in the northeast is Rebi Akiva's fourth application where he ends. And the place where Rebi Akiva started in the south southeast is where Rebiosi Haglili finishes. Now, just interesting, Rashi, and just a little bit of background before we go on. Why are they starting on the opposite? They both agree, and we're going to ask this now, that he starts in the east of the Mizbech. But according to Rabbi Yosei he starts in the north, and according to Rabbi Akiva, he starts in the south, the southeast. So, why, corner, why? So Rashi explains, because according to Rabbi Akiva, there were two, cor- two curtains. And remember, we learned when there are two curtains, the entrance, the curtain was pinned back on the south, and then he would walk between the two curtains to the north where the inner curtain was pinned back. So he's come when he's come out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim and he stood there and he's mixed the blood. He's kind of already, well, and then he got, I mean, he does this, this I mean, I guess he puts the blood down there. But he was, he would go to the middle to do the Zrika. But he's already in the south side or towards the south. And therefore, he goes to the south corner. Whereas according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, he holds like Rabbi Yossi that the, there was only one curtain between the Heichal and the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and therefore he, um, that's in the north, and that's why he starts on the north. Everyone agrees that the one, the corner he reaches first, either the, the western corner of the Mizbah, whether you're going in the north or the south, but the western corner, he, he skips that one and he goes to the out, to the eastern one. It says, Shmuel says it's because of the following pasuk. It says, He goes out to the Mizbah. He has to go past the whole Mizbah. And then he's in the east of the Mizbah and he starts at the east corner. Then the Gemara asks, um, this is uh, Merman's question. According to Rabbi Akiva, he should go around to the right. I granted he's starting in the southeast corner. He should then take a step to his right and go to the northeast corner. Maybe Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Akiva argue in Rami Bar Yechezgil. Rami Bar Yechezgil, Rami Bar Yechezgil said... This is a posuk describing the sea, I like where they kept the water for the for the for purifying themselves was standing on twelve cattle. three faced north. three faced west. and three faced south. and three faced east. Now, why does it specify it in that order? It says, oh, yeah. And they, the, they all faced outwards and their back was inwards. Either the face of the bulls were facing outwards, but it mentioned that. This is telling us that you always turn right to the east. Mar Islay the Rami Bayechezkel. Rabbi Yossi agrees with Rami Bayechezkel, therefore he says you go to the right. Umar Leislay the Rami Bayechezkel, and Rabbi Akiva does not hold for Rami Bayechezkel, therefore he has no issue with you turning left. Umar answers, Law, not necessarily. Dekuni Alma Islahu the Rami Bayechezkel. Everyone agrees with Rami Bayechezkel. Lahacha Bahokam Miflegida arguing in the following. Mar Sovo Yalfin and Ponimuchutz. Rabbi Yossi says we learn the 
into the Heichal from outside, from the Chotzer. Rami Bar Yechezkel's drosha is regarding the Chotzer and regarding the outer altar. Maybe that rule of always turning to your right does not apply with the inner altar. Umar Sovar Loyal Finan Pani Mechutz, in the other opinion, Rabbi Akiva holds, we don't learn inside from outside. Just because we find that in the service of the temple outside, in the courtyard, you go always to your right, maybe you don't. So the Gemara says, now the Gemara is just going to ask one more question on Rabbi Kivit. We'll leave it there for today. Rabbi Kivit, he did loyalif So fine. Granted, Rabbi Kivit doesn't learn panimichutz. I, you, therefore, you can go to the right or to the left, according to how we've just explained it. Again, according to um, Rabbi Yosei you always go to the right, even when you're dealing with the golden altar. But according to Rabbi Akiva, who says that, well then, you should be allowed to choose which way to go. Either Potsuk says he moves to the west, to his left. But let him choose. If he doesn't have to go right, why does he have to go left? Let him choose. It says, Omalachor Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva will say, say to you, Mitina Bahu carried the Pogba Beresha, Bahu Ovid Beresha. No. Really, Minadin, the corner that he walks past first is the corner that he should do the application first. Why to Omer Lokish You don't skip over a mitzvah. The next mitzvah is for him to do blood applications to the corners of the Mizbech Azov. The first corner he meets is the southwest. And that's the one he should do first. Because otherwise he's passing over the opportunity to do a, a mitzvah. Of Amaylo of it. So why does he pass over the mitzvah and go to the southeast? He says, Because the Pazuk tells us that he must go there. He has to walk past the mitzvah. Oh, but for Kivan, the Yoibahu Karen. But once he's put on the southwest, Hadar Aisilahu Karen, the Chavla Mesa Beresha. He should then go straight away and do the one that he was obligated to do first. I, he should, based on the concept of Ein Mavri and Mitzvah, he should do the southwest first. But the Pasuk tells us he must do the southeast first. So he does the southeast, and then he quickly goes back to do the corner that he skipped out that he was Mavri and Mitzvah. And we'll leave it there for today.